quick trigger warning we're going to talk about uh pregnancy loss and fertility issues on this episode so if that is something you do not feel like listening to we will not take offense hello and welcome to sensory overload i'm Allie, and i'm john and we are a married couple here to talk to you about our experiences being there for our kiddo on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, that is. <laughs> yes. I don't know. You don't know. This could be your first episode. Welcome. It's true. And Come if on this, in. If this the, is your first episode, hi. Welcome. Come on in. The water is fine. This might be your first episode because we uh, just did a crossover with the podcast Parenting Understood. Uh, we were recently interviewed. Loved it. Yeah. So uh, if you want to hear us chatting over there, then you can go over to Parenting Understood and, and hear about all about us. Absolutely. And if you didn't hear the crossover episode in the other direction, you can go back into the archives of this here podcast and check it out. Yeah. Before uh, we get started tonight, you can reach us at Sensory Overload Podcast at gmail.com or you can go to sensoryoverloadpodcast.com to send us any missives to... Give us suggestions to, I don't know, light some fires. Do what, what you do best, y'all. Share a recipe, like whatever. You know, we don't judge. You do you, man. So we did this uh, Parenting Understood podcast recently. And uh, as I was listening to it, I realized <laughs> there's a story that we sort of uh, tell or we sort of throw away a little detail about ourselves. that I don't know if we, I think we may have mentioned, but I don't think we've gone into detail on this show which is, um, well, on that show, we talked about our miscarriage. And the story beyond that to me is not just about the miscarriage, which is, you know, traumatizing enough, but uh, sort of the work that went into having a kid. We obviously talk a lot on this podcast about all the different ways we try to be there for Bethany, all of our, you know, successes and failures in that effort. But one of the things we haven't really talked about much, you know, as you mentioned on the podcast we hit on Parenting Understood, we hit on this a little bit, is uh, how hard one our child is. I mean, she took it took a long time for us to have her. There was a lot of different things that we went through. And, and still, you know, um, for those of our friends who've gone through fertility issues that have been much gnarlier mm -hmm. than ours you know and and so we definitely felt like have felt like the whole time like hey we are we won the lottery like there's always extra things with any you know every kid has their unique things a lot of these things we did not see coming and have had a hell of a time trying to navigate it but uh i think we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how about the sort of uh struggle or journey ah she said journey <laughs> On our podcast. Bing, 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 bing. You owe me a dollar. Again, it's not necessarily like that this pertains directly to special needs or, or autism or anything like that. It's just that, again, it's a little bit more talked about now. But even when it happened to us, even when we had the miscarriage, when Allie had the miscarriage, it was sort of a kind of, you know, it was a thing that still wasn't as talked about. It was talked about a lot more. And I feel like since that time, which is now, you know, 13 years ago I feel like things have improved in that arena and people are no longer as oh, we'll, we'll say ignorant and not meaning everybody's dumb but just like it was sort of a big like black hole it's like because what they you know they'll say you know they being the experts will say most women have miscarriages whether they know it or not mm -hmm. most pregnancies end in miscarriage mostly because it happens 
you're pregnant for like a day and a half, you don't know it, and your body flushes it out. And it's just a thing that up till, you know, a couple decades ago, that was not common knowledge. It was like, in my parents' time, if you had a miscarriage, you did something wrong, basically. It was like the Lord was judging you. Well, and, and nowadays, uh, you know, it's it's hit again. You know, they're they're uh, criminalizing women who have miscarriages. It's right. a it's a it's a dangerous thing to be pregnant these days. It always was, uh, but it just it just seems like it's gotten so next level horrific. Well, and here's the thing, you know, when they talk about abortion, despite what your feelings are, pro, anti, whatever. Whenever they talk about outlawing abortion, people then start to say, okay, well, ignoring the abortion issue, issue, which is already damaging enough, what about like all the things around it? Miscarriages, the baby dying in the womb and needing birth to be- Birth control. Birth control, everything like that. And the answer is always, oh, don't worry about it. That's not going to be a fa- Oh, no, there's not going to be cops arresting you for having a miscarriage. People were saying that to us. You know, I mean, when I because we went on, you know, social media and we're talking about, oh, we've had this experience, you know, and we were doing it at a, at a time before Roe v. Wade got erased and things were looking like, you know, it looked like we were heading in that direction. And we're like, well, look, just, you know, think about what you're doing. And people would be like, eh, you're just crazy. They would never criminalize stuff like that. And it's all and it's happened. It's already happened. I mean, it's and it happened keeps happening. quickly, too. Yeah. And so I think we just kind of wanted to tell the story uh, from our perspective, because we have this sort of stereotypical, uh, you know, and a lot of these a lot of these extremist views, this sort of ideal position to be in to be pregnant and we still and I still miscarried and uh and I still felt guilt and I still felt all these things because every all of that is so deeply seeded and rooted into our uh existence and so I think we just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit to just do our tiny part as we try to continue to do on this podcast to sort of normalize you know the human experience and normalize difference and normalize like um uh hard things happening to you and you still get through them and again like we know so many families who have had much bigger struggles with this sort of sort of thing but this is our particular story that we can share yeah well and miscarriage also I mean specifically it can mean a lot for us. It happened sort of early on. So, you know, and we felt a certain kind of way about it, but we've met people that have gone almost to full, you know, term and they've lost their babies due to miscarriage. And so, yeah, we just wanted to like, again, put it out there that it's like, well, it happens to a lot of people. It happened to us, not necessarily as uh, badly as it's happened to some friends of ours, but you know, here's our little story. Well, and also I like to, um, I forget which friend I stole this from and she probably stole it from some great writer, but uh, pain is not a contest. So, you know, this was our pain. And so all we can do is share that with you and hope you feel a little bit less alone and also remind you that, you know, folks can be fully wanting this stuff with their whole heart and uh, nature does not abide. <laughs> and so we have to be uh, not only not only that, but also whatever a woman wants to do with her body is her own damn business. And uh, that's just our full on position anyway. So the story of our miscarriage, that's the flashback sound again. Let's rewind to, I don't know, it's like, it's like New Year's Eve in the early 2000s. And I remember getting on the phone with my parents and 
just to say hi and happy new year and all that but we talked about it and we said oh and i you know i think that Allie and i may be ready to do something this year and they're like oh thinking you know oh they're already pregnant or whatever it's like yeah we think we're gonna start trying to have kids and like oh (laughs) start huh start to have kids well ain't you a ain't you a stitch you two hilarious kids and we thought to ourselves well now that we're uh pulling the goalie and you know we're doing this for realsies everything will happen uh in the good time that we expect it to the punchline is that nine years later we had a child (laughs) we (laughs) you know we again didn't plan to spend nine years in trying to have a kid and we at first you know we went through like a year of just like oh that's interesting nothing has happened so far well whatever and then the second year kind of went by and we're like hmm Seems suspicious. Seems sus, as the kids nowadays say. And we're just, I don't know, we're kind of just wondering, like, what's going on? You know, why are we having such trouble with this? Because we had, like, zero indication before that, you know, that we weren't going to be able to have kids. And so this was starting to, you know, and we had sort of, I guess, assumed that, you know, we were gonna, it was going to be easier. So we were starting to get a little freaked out. Well, especially because you spend so much time being cautious. Yes. And being nervous. Yeah. And certainly I would imagine those of y'all with, um, you know, having fertility struggles at the moment, it's extra loaded with, you know, the hateful anti-woman reproductive rights being taken away and oh, so yeah. forth. And now I can't even imagine. I mean, this is sort of why we wanted to discuss it, because this was when, you know, things were a little bit simpler in America and, you know, women's health was uh, less of a bomb. I mean, it was still pretty, you know, loaded, but, it, uh, you know. There were, you know, you could go to states and have a baby without, you know, worrying. Being scared that they were going to let you die just to, for the hopes that that a fetus would live. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty horrible going on right now. So having that like extra loaded thing, I feel for y'all because that's got to be so scary. It was scary enough. Yeah. Just going through it with feeling like you had actual support. Yeah. <laughs> and so we started checking into it, and we, you know, started going to doctors and stuff, and and. Allison got checked out, and as far as on her end, the docs were like, eh, we don't know. She looks healthy to us. She seems like Iowa farmland, as my family used to joke. Yeah. <laughs> it seems all good on her end, and then everybody side-eyed me. And so I said, oh, okay. Uh, and so I went for uh, different tests along the way. There were a few different things that happened. Uh, but the funniest one was at one point I went to see a urologist, and... <laughs> he had the worst bedside manner of any doctor I've ever had <laughs> because I, I, and I mean, he knew his job, thankfully. So at least there was that, but he was just like, he pulled no punches, which on the one hand is like terrible. But on the other hand, it's probably better for someone like me. Who's like, eh, just punch me and get it over with. So, <laughs> so he recommended, well, there's a lot of things that could be, here's the thing. The problem is there are hundreds of problems you could possibly have, and there's no way to identify all of them. But one of the things we can do is we can, you know, check the sperm count. We can then, you know, see if there's trouble there. They check the sperm count, and it was low. And the guy's like, well, okay, here's the thing. There might be two things going on. One, you just have a low sperm count and you're useless. Two, there might be some obstruction or something going on, and in which case... It's good that we should do a biopsy because uh, if there's cancer in there, then we need to know like right away. And I was like, oh, shit. So this might be like a real health thing. So I had the hilarious uh, experience 
<laughs> Allison was out of town making a movie at the time. And I don't know why I thought like I scheduled it for when she was gone, like not necessarily on purpose, just like, well, it was the first time they had and she just happened to be gone that you know week or two. And I was like, eh, you know what? I'll just have my brother drive me there. It'll be fine. No big deal. And I had had it in my head that a testicular biopsy was like a vasectomy, like surgically, because it was described to me sort of the same way. And they sent me like paperwork and the paperwork said, you know, don't have any food, you know, from midnight on and do this and do that. Get a good night's sleep. Don't do this or whatever. Nothing in the paperwork specifically said this is a like for real surgery. I, I and again, vasectomies are for real surgery, but you stay awake during it. They don't put you out. So I had my brother drive me to the to the clinic, and uh, they came out and they said, "Okay, we're ready for you. Do you want your brother to come back with you?" And I was like, "No, nah, I think I'll be fine. I, you know, he doesn't need to watch this shit." So I go in the back, and they're like, "Okay, we need you to get in the gown. We need you to do this. We need you to do that." Uh, and we need you to do such and such before we put you under. And I was like, huh? And they said, before we put you under, which you understood before you came here, right? <laughs> and I said, yes, I totally understand and have understood for quite some time that I'm going to be going under via anesthesia. Could you ask my brother to come back here, please? <laughs> And so I'm lying there in the hospital bed. And the thing is, it's it's a 20 minute. I'm under for 20 minutes or in, in theory, I'm going to be under for 20 minutes. Very little can happen in 20 minutes that, you know, is catastrophic. But I just for some reason, I get it. You know, I just going under when I didn't think I was going to be going under that day really like put a fright in me. I was like, I haven't had any time to prepare. I haven't you know, I haven't said goodbye to my wife. I have, you know, <laughs> yeah. all these things that you think about. It's like and again, my family has a great history with like, you know, surgeries and stuff. We go under and we're like my grandmother was in her hundreds or 90s or late 90s or early hundreds. She got cancer and they were like, OK, ma'am. We have to operate because the cancer is, you know, aggressive and we really need to get rid of it. But the truth is, you're you're at your advanced age. You could go under and just not wake up. Do you still want to do that? And she's like, yeah, sure. OK. So <laughs> my grandmother was very uh, practical. So they put her under. And according to the, the legends, what happened is they slowly brought her out and she came out, you know, quick as a wink. And the first thing she said was she blinked and looked around and she said, well, you're going to put me under or what? because my grandma was like an oak tree. So so my family, you know, again, I have no reason to believe things are going to go bad, but my brother comes back and he's kind of like, what, dude, what's happening? I was like, they're going to put me under. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. We kind of knew that you were going to be, you know, you were going to get some kind of anesthesia, so it's going to be fine. Don't worry. I was like, okay. Um, but I just wanted to say you're a lawyer, and um, if it should happen that if I don't survive this, could you do me a favor? Could you burn this fucking clinic to the ground with fire? So much fire. Uh, however, uh, they put me under and they uh, brought me back out and everything was fine. And they sent the tests along and then, you know, I had to go meet with my uh, no bedside manner uh, urologist. And <laughs> even before, he, he doesn't even look at the test before I show up. He just, I just come in, he shakes my hand, he's like, hello, okay, so what's going to happen here is hopefully we're going to find that there's no blockage, there's no cancer, uh, and you just have a low sperm count, and uh, I don't know, maybe you can try IVF, I have no idea. 
<laughs> Amazing. Again. He's an inspiring man. Zero bedside manner. And he opens the folder, looks at the test. His eyebrows wrinkle for a second. I'm like, oh, fuck. He's found cancer. He's found... He's like, huh. Actually, there's no cancer. There's no... Uh, there's nothing wrong. Actually, you should... You're, you're, you know, you're actually manufacturing enough. There just must be some blockage or somewhere along the line you're losing, you know, stuff. Uh, so there's actually a pretty good chance that you could have kids, you know. Try again, try IVF. That might be better. <laughs> so so flippant about this very expensive, <laughs> painful, ex- exhausting procedure, which we didn't end up having to do. But my goodness, so many people <laughs> we know who've used that. It's like, oh, what a hell. <laughs> so John has his biopsy. Yes. They say everything looks clear. Everything everything's fine. You can have kids. You might want to consider IVF or some other alternative form of uh of birthing and i and we were like okay well yeah and we've been going at this you know this has been slowly trickling on for years now at this point you know Mm -hmm. three four years and we're sort of and there were a lot of things happening in the meantime it wasn't just that like oh we went a year and then like the day of the year we went to the doctor's office and then a year later we I mean, we had sort of, this was happening in between like a lot of other big life events. Yeah. And so the reason it sort of took a long time is because we would get like, oh, well, maybe we, oh, no. Oh, maybe that, no. Oh, you need a test. Oh, and then, you know, just the natural order of things. But by the time this, you know, the biopsy happened, it was like, what, 2007, 2008? 2009, I think. So I came back from the film. He's done his his biopsy. He's got the all clear. I come home from the film. Uh, we have given up. Uh, we we know at some point. Okay, we're gonna you know put money together and figure out IVF or whatever we decide to do. And that felt very intimidating. And so we were kind of like, okay, let's one thing at a time it. And so we got pregnant basically right away. <laughs> yes, after <laughs> after years of trying and not even getting a hint, then the the minute we sort of said, okay, well this isn't gonna happen without. Uh, medical assistance and we quit then suddenly it happened so. which is the classic thing yeah that they exactly often I say, mean, which is the most awful advice it's basically telling someone who's panicking to calm down it's yeah. like that's not thanks for that yeah well it's like but, the, but the, it the, is what worked it's like the whole idea of like you shouldn't get drunk when you're trying to conceive and it's like people wouldn't conceive if they were more drunk <laughs> I mean, and you shouldn't drink after you're pregnant. It's like, well, you know, there's plenty of us walking around that I'm sure our parents were drunk before they knew they were pregnant. So, yes. So, so we, things aren't always ideal, is what we're saying. So, we found out we were pregnant and it was very exciting, but we were like, we're not going to tell a bunch of people because, uh, you know, then you're going to have to deal with that fallout if the pregnancy doesn't go or anything else is complicating. Yeah, we told our immediate family. And, some friends that you know some very close friends because like for example my editing partner i was working with him on a movie at the time yeah and uh yeah so it would be weird not to tell and plus he was we were good enough friends that he could handle it (laughs) and he had several kids of his own so he understood he'd been through it yes but you know we did the whole you know and it wasn't we weren't at 12 weeks yet so we were like sort of like trying to take the advice of like okay don't get too like jacked about this wait until the 12 weeks and then start you know yeah. actually preparing but until then just you know enjoy the thought that you're pregnant we're at like what 10 weeks yeah it was like long enough for it to feel like we'd had a couple of doctor's appointments so yeah and we'd like 
we had had it long enough that we started like giving you know we were trying to figure out names and this is always the thing that i start thinking of is we were you know yeah we were starting to figure out names and we didn't know you know anything didn't know you know sex or anything like that so we were just like well what's it gonna what what do we call it because we can't you know we don't know what it is yet so so we ended up calling it general kick-ass that was that was the little one's name yeah <laughs> we, we kept talking to our friends because so, it's us you know yes yeah, so and we would talk to our friends about oh well general kick-ass is gonna come along and you know we're gonna do this and that and the third and so our first baby's name was general kick-ass it never <laughs> actually got changed so <laughs> but we uh honestly it ended up being very helpful because now even as we tell the story it's like it helps make make us laugh because it's awful i mean a yeah. miscarriage is awful like uh even when you uh aren't sure if you want the baby or you don't want the baby it's not a fun process and so and it's it's at the very least it's it's physically taxing and confusing and so at least we could say general kick-ass when we tell the story yes so we're at that point and then i start to spot and then i start to bleed and i keep kidding myself about this i'm sharing it with john and it all kind of happens over a day and then finally it's like okay we better go to the doctor and there's some gross graphic things i won't share with you because you don't need that in your life um (laughs) and uh even though i'm a horror writer i understand time and place So basically we end up going to the hospital uh, to get it checked out. And I just remember being very upset that they didn't seem concerned to figure out why it happened. Uh, And, and I'm such a, a, problem solving i can fix it person and so i was like we need data (laughs) (laughs) yes how did we don't know how we got this so we need to know you know in case it ever happens again how we can prevent this i want to work the problem so if you could just not tell me it happens to lots of people that'd be awesome (laughs) they were like it happens to lots of people yeah they were just like you know at this point it's very volatile and there's just you know it, it your body is at this point not used to it so it's trying actively to feed it and actively to kick it out (laughs) And in another sort of uh, shining example of how healthcare just loves women, it they said to me that you know after if I have two more, if I if I had like one or two more, then they would start to look at the problem. <laughs> cool. So I'm going to go through that again at least once before you care. That's uh. that's great. Thanks so much for that. And I understand the like. Um, you know the numbers game they're working with like i get it because it is such a common thing but it's also like uh i think there's been even just since we have become parents they've been they've learning they've been learning so many things simple things to help prevent miscarriages that it's yeah. like okay could you have thought about any of those in that moment and told me some of them or well, did you not know them yet or do you I, didn't care to know i, I think you they know? were trying to be nice because you know probably the truth is this it's like that's why we don't recommend you tell people before 12 weeks. Yes, because it happens so They don't so last often. very long. It's like, yeah. And again, it comes to that, you know, like you say, it's a numbers game. It's like, if you knew how many didn't actually make it, because again, we don't even know the real statistics. We've guessed at them, but it's like, yeah, it's just a thing that probably, probably will happen. And unfortunately, it just happened later for us than most people. Yeah. Well, then I was lucky. My mom is a nurse and she, and she had also had miscarriages as well. And so she shared that stuff with me growing up. I knew about it. So that did help a lot. But even then I just remember still feeling like kind of wild with guilt. Like nobody had chocolate that has caffeine. You're not supposed (laughs) to have caffeine when you're pregnant and you're not supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that. And I had like been such a girl scout about it. Of course, 
course I was, you know, but it's like, uh, it's still took over and I just remember like the next you know this happened kind of in the middle of the night or by the time we're done with the hospital it's the middle of the night so we come back home and I just remember waking up the next day like it was like one of the worst griefs I've ever felt and and, you know like it really like felt like it was whacking us and and the stomach and yeah it was hard to wake up that next morning and be like okay oh that was real yeah so yesterday we were gonna have a kid and today we aren't yeah, that's really, uh, really rough. And I think, you know, and then when we, uh, and then when we got lucky again with Bethany, got lucky getting pregnant, uh, we did the opposite and told everyone right away because then it was sort of a whole weird conversation to have updated people that we'd had this miscarriage because it felt strange to be, um, the people that we are <laughs> <laughs> oversharers the oversharers that we are especially me and not tell people about that uh, well, and so it and was it I, just felt like more painful like we had to do a whole catch up and like kind of break yeah. people's hearts all in one you know like yeah and we were i think oddly enough once we'd gone through it we were oddly a little more thick-skinned about it and we were like well and again, we ended up telling people about it. it's not, you know, the reason they say don't yeah. tell people is so you don't have to explain later necessarily if you don't want to explain to people. Well, we right. had missed, but we know, wanted to anyways. But we wanted we to. Out. So, in, you yeah. know, most people found out we were pregnant by the fact that we had a miscarriage. Right. So, so the next time around, we were sort of a little more cavalier. We're like, eh, well, we're pregnant again. Hope this one works out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, my funny story, though, is I, I stayed home for a couple of days from work because I was also having grief and, and I just wanted to be around Allie and make sure that we were, you know, both feeling better before I left. And so I and stayed that home. I was physically better. And that she was physically better. And, you know, so I stayed home for a couple of days and I went back to work and I had told, I believe, almost nobody at work. I hadn't, like, mentioned anything. However, uh, I work with a lot of smart people. So I'm sitting in my office and... It's so funny because we're working on something else and like three or four people, uh, like four people gather in the office. Three of these people are grown gentlemen with kids of their own. They've been through the, the hells. They understand. They, you know, I haven't, had, I haven't said a word to them, mind you. They have no idea what's going on. And then there's a guy who's younger than me. He's in his early 20s and he's, you know, he hasn't seen as much of the world yet. Hilariously, <laughs> so one of the older guys says to me, Oh, so you were out last couple of days. You said Allie had to go to the hospital. Is, is she okay? Because they knew Allie. They were, you know, they were actually genuinely concerned. I was like, yeah, she's fine. We just had some stuff. We had to, you know, it's it's all fine. She's good. No no need to worry. And they all, the three older guys got this look on their face like, well. Oh, shoot. I know what happened there. I know what, I can guess what happened there. But if he's not going to say anything that I, sh- I shouldn't ask. And then the younger guy said in his arrogant i mean it was perfect and and god bless him for this because it was hilarious but he he was so <laughs> arrogant when he said it he said why is she pregnant and i was just like I, again for two days i've been crying because my baby's gone and i just have all this trauma and ali has all this trauma and it all came out with me looking up at him and smiling and saying not anymore <laughs> And up your till, sketch comedy background could not stop. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And the other, what's hilarious is the second he said, "Why is she pregnant?" The other three dudes were like, "Went oh. fucking white." They blanched because they're like, "Oh fuck!" Because what if he says she was? That's the worst. And then the fact that I said it as a joke, 
they they were perfect because I, I was like not anymore and they went oh and they fucking were hitting him and wow. smacking him over the and saying what is wrong with you you dumbass and he's like what genuinely I, I was so funny he was just like what what I say guys what I say and they all just chased him out of the room <laughs> it was just it was one of those moments where it's like I probably would have been that guy at some point so oh, I, yeah, I sympathize I'm, but it was just we, too perfect we all had to learn the lesson of read the fucking room at some point I, I have a horrific story that I will not share to not you know bum you out worse but it where I just put my foot squarely in my mouth as well but it, so you know we get it kids are kids you know again, ki- I by kids probably, we mean 25 year olds yeah, no again <laughs> I would have probably made the same mistake it's you know I get it and again, I kind of am thankful that he did it because I love this story so much. You do. You've and told it, it many times. I love it. And it really, to me, is like, it's. it was sort of the first release of the trauma. It was the first like, yeah. okay, well, maybe life can go on a little bit. Well, that's why it's like, um, I do think it worked better for us the second time telling people, even though it ended up working out and we have Bethany, it's like knowing that we had our 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 village kind of like rooting for us and available for, for check-ins was very helpful. But, and also we also had the, the good fortune that, you know, by the time when we had Bethany, uh, when we got pregnant with Bethany, it's like um, it wouldn't have happened if General Kickass had come to her fruition. Right. So that did help a lot, like psychologically knowing, like, well, I can't. I know her. I don't <laughs> know General Kickass, and so I want her. <laughs> you right. know, it's almost like those, uh, uh, you know, time travel movies where you screw up with the like. Uh, you know the, yeah. the flow of time and then you suddenly have a different kid and it's like no no no, i gotta go back and fix this yeah exactly the overlap was just enough that they couldn't both exist so it's like yeah. that's really interesting <laughs> yeah so and then when i found out that she was pregnant that i was pregnant with her was a uh, kind of glorious day because it was the first i was working at the los angeles film festival it was the first day of the festival we were downtown in LA and uh, the LA Lakers had just won the sports ball championship. <laughs> and so there was all this like just parties all around me and literal like fireworks and stuff. And then also that morning, John had just got promoted to yeah. from assistant editor to editor. Yeah. I mean, like she, I just remember the morning, it was one of those mornings we both kind of like, because we'd, you know, had time to get over our, our loss and we were sort of like back on the, okay, well, Maybe we'll see what happens. We need to look into that IVF or maybe we'll adopt And I literally checked and I literally tested that morning just because I was going to be going to the film festival and I was planning to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, she, yeah. So what a thing that was just sort of a, ah, she could just check this out just in case. She's like, um, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, and literally us being like our cynical selves and again. literally like 10 minutes later or less you got an email that was like okay we're gonna promote you to an editor no i actually had to go i had to go into work but i mean it was the same was it i thought yeah. it was an email that you got okay gotcha. no i had to go into work but i mean like i wasn't in there like four minutes before but it was right away my boss yeah. came in and said okay so we're gonna move you to editor and i was like uh, well that's good news and it was one of the guys who had been in the room that you know one of the four. Oh it, yeah it was it was my friend jack who was my boss at the time and uh, and I said, oh, well, that's great news because Allie's pregnant. And he's like, oh, OK. And he was sort of like, is this is this news we can share? And I was like, how, uh. how pregnant is she? <laughs> and I said, she was so pregnant that we only just found out today. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was it was a very celebratory day, but in a very like, I mean, I didn't get fireworks, but I got literal fireworks, y'all. It was pretty fun, and <laughs> and uh, and I told my my boss who I was both a huge fan of and slightly intimidated by and she just melted into the cutest being on the planet and was just like honey that's amazing and she was so lovely i don't know why i was expecting anything different i think she was just such a hard worker and she just like expected such things from everyone right and not in an unreasonable way she's a very inspiring she's a very inspiring lady but it was just like oh my goodness it was so it was so fun and it just felt different right from the get you know it was like oh we're telling people yeah it was the world's partying with us i mean again it maybe it's just for us but again that relaxed that more because we were like again the worst had happened and we were like well i guess being cautious and careful and you know keeping it close to the vest didn't work out so i guess we'll just be like eh whatever about it you know what i mean and hey you know we say this just to say this is what felt right for us like that stuff is so personal that you know and certainly these days with all of the you know war on women going on it's like maybe you do keep this thing these things closer to the vest i don't know but it, it really did seem to help um help us a lot and also it was like you know i was working for a film festival i was working crazy hours i was like physical and everything was fine i was like home on hiatus or something the first pregnancy so like how do you even know like this is it's so random yeah you know but i mean again that's the that's the fairy tale ending of the story is like hey after nine years of trying we had our our daughter and it was just great it was it was absolutely like okay great i'm I mean, I'm sorry about the first one. I missed the first one, but I'm glad we got Bethany. And, you know, despite all the extra, you know, heavy lifting we have to do, it's like, ah, I don't want, you know, something different. This is fine. But- this is this is wonderful. And and th- I think that also the, the sort of fertility adventure helped us really stay in gratitude when things got harder with B. Well, yeah, because and I, that's really the point I wanted to get to about Bethany. That first morning afterwards i I distinctly it's always so clear to me because that was the morning i sort of was like going on my mental journey of like how can i how much more can i torture myself this morning and there came a point where i was just like asking myself point blank do you think i mean maybe this is it maybe you are not supposed to have a kid right can you handle that can you handle the idea that you're not going to be a father is that okay and I found myself, res- I mean, because again, there's all these things that you do in life where it's like, oh, well, you've got your career and you've got, the, you know, your life outside of family. You know, you've got all these other things that are like, well, this can give my life meaning. This can give 100%. me satisfaction. And 100%. I was like, yeah. And, you know, Hollywood is a harsh mistress to start with. And so, <laughs> again, maybe it's like for the best. Maybe this is a sign. And I just found myself responding to myself. I'm not OK with that. I want to be a father. I, and, and then I was being real mean with myself. It's like. It's going to ruin your life. You're going to have like no time for your your real work. You're going to have to like sacrifice and give up. And 
she's gonna you know make you talk to her care bear every night and, and say angry things to the you know make the care bear say angry vicious things because she thinks it's funny because she thinks it's so funny this is an actual thing that she makes me do at bedtime i have to adopt the persona of her angry care bear and say angry things because that's because i created the character of the angry care bear and now he is being forced to also do it when it's his turn at and bedtime. apparently i perfected it because she won't let me do anything except be the angry care bear but that's what i was i mean but that was it i was telling myself look you're gonna be you know there's a lot of work goes into being a parent maybe you dodged a bullet and i was like i don't care i i want that child to love me and 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 to love it in response you know i i i would like to have a kid i saw myself as a father and i really it really crystallized in that moment that i saw myself as being eventually a father and so when other th- troubles came down the line, you know, when she, you know, was, uh, you know, diagnosed when, you know, and not even just the diagnosis, she had but her skull strug- problems. But, and her struggles with it. I mean, just how miserable she was. She had such a hard time, poor love. There was just so, and there was so much that we went through and there was, and every time that it got hard, I, all I had to do was really think to myself, I didn't even have to think. I was, you know, there was just that automatic response. It's like, yes, but I wanted this. And even if it's hard and even if I'm, you know, having anxiety and depression about it, I wanted this. And I, and I remind, and it's, it's better for me to remind myself of that because then I go, yes, you're right. I did want this and I'm glad I'm doing it, even though it's fucking super hard. God damn it. I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I mean, it was a really, it was like a come to Jesus moment that I was like, that I've always been, you know, in the midst of all this fuckery and tragedy, I was glad I had that moment because it really crystallized for me. It's like, yeah, I want this. I want this more than other things. You know, this is the thing I want. I want a family. And so now that we have a family, I'm like, well, see, I mean, everything else, it's, you know, it's kind of gravy. It's like, yes, I would like to be rich and famous. And, you know, we get to make movies that we want to make and not make stupid reality shows. But it's fine. <laughs> we have our baby and, you know, she's hilarious. So. And that was the important thing. We wanted to make sure she was hilarious. Well, I mean, why do you do this shit? But to have, but to, you know, I mean, <laughs> but to create inter- a hilarious child. But to be entertained. Right. Yes, 100%. Well, again, I mean, I didn't, you know, spend all these hours honing my Care Bear impression for nothing. <laughs> Yes, exactly. All of that, all that sketch comedy work, all of that, all of that stuff was now being put to perfect use. All training so that I could put my daughter to sleep at night with the same jokes every night. It is pretty fun to be a professional storyteller and have a kid to tell stories to and help her learn to tell stories. It's pretty damn fun. Yeah, she's really, I mean, of all the things that she sort of glommed onto, she's sort of like discovered that she enjoys the family business of storytelling yes i got her a shirt y'all from etsy that says storyteller on it it's pretty cute (laughs) she loves it but that's i mean again we we did that you know parenting understood podcast and it was again i think we may have mentioned that we had the the miscarriage but it just seems so tossed off on the like should we say it yeah sure why not so i was like well if we've mentioned it here then we definitely should mention it to our people because you know Again, somebody might need this. I don't know who. I don't know if anybody out there is, you know, needing this and needs, you know, the backup. But, you know, hopefully this is for you. Well, yeah. No, as we've said before, I think it's like normalizing 
this is part of the human experience. I, th I think help takes the power away from the dragons that are, you know, fighting in the other direction. If you want to share any of your own stories about summer survival, miscarriages, or anything else, uh, please email us at sensoryoverloadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website at sensoryoverloadpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it was absolutely your fault. 